You're listening to community-supported Acaville Radio, streaming acapella around the clock at acaville.org. Acaville, the only place where drums are replaced by boots and cats. At the top of the hour this hour, St. Croix crossings are champs. From January 17th through 20th, the Barbershop Harmony Society held their annual Midwinter Festival and Competition in Orange County, California. In addition to a youth chorus festival that brought together 18 choruses with students from middle school through college, the Midwinter event also features the annual Seniors Quartet Contest. This year, the 25 qualifying quartets in the finals gave great performances, and the St. Croix Crossing came out on top as international champs. They're used to this kind of thing, having medaled five times in the international senior competition. Congratulations to these gentlemen of the Midwest. Hello, Acaville fans. Welcome to Tacapella, Acaville Radio's weekly talk show. I'm your host, John Lampus, and today is a very special episode, not just because it's our 52nd episode, not just because we're going to have a ton of people on this one, but because we have the Yellow Jackets from the University of Rochester in New York on the show today. Not all of them, but we got four of them, and I think they're pretty important ones. Uh, guys, thank you so much for coming on Tacapella today. Thanks so much for having us. Can you guys uh, go around and introduce yourself? This is such a new thing for Tacapella, having multiple people. I've only had two people, uh, two guests on at a time before, and we were all in the same room. So this is actually pretty exciting for me that we have a total of five people on this episode, and we're in different states right now. So if you want to just go around, introduce yourselves, tell us a little bit about yourself, that would be awesome. Uh, my name is Scott. I am the communications director of the Yellow Jackets, um, and I am from Boston, Massachusetts, which you might pick up a trend later. Okay. So. <laughs> Hi, I am Philip. I am a junior in the group. I'm the music director, and I'm one of the people that aren't from the Massachusetts area. I'm from Baltimore, Maryland. Very cool. Hi, everyone. My name is Cubby. Um, I'm the business manager of the group, and I am from Boston, Massachusetts. <laughs> hey. All right. Lastly, my name is James, and you guessed it. I'm from Boston, Massachusetts. Boom. All right. Well, that's that makes it kind of easy. I'm just going to assume you're all from Boston. No, not actually. <laughs> um, so, guys, uh, obviously, the reason you're on the show today is because you guys have been doing some really amazing things in the world of acapella, but not just acapella, but in the world of music education and you've been doing some great stuff in Kenya, which is so freaking exciting. And there's a great history of this group and what they have done for music as a whole with your endeavors over the past couple of years. So if we could just have a little story time for a second here, and if you could just tell us um, what you're on here to talk about today and how that all got started, because I'm sure you guys can tell a really great story with this. Take it away. So in 2011, six, seven years ago now, the Yellow Jackets went to Kenya for around a month. Mm -hmm. um, it was probably June, right after they got out of school. And they spent probably a year beforehand raising funds to get there. Um, and they worked with a, a children's choir in the town of Maseno, which is right outside the city of Kasumu. And um, they had this really incredible experience where they went to this really poor area of Africa and saw how, how important music was to them and how important music was to them kind of just going to school every day. 
And yeah, while they're there, they also filmed a documentary that has been in editing for seven years now, but is <laughs> nearing completion. Uh, we actually just caught a cut of it last week. Um, oh, very we cool. One of the, we were one of the first audiences to see it. Um, uh, the the guy who filmed it um, actually has been working a lot with the Yellow Jackets. He produced mm-hmm. the video uh, We Have of Sorry, which has like 3 million yep. views on YouTube. Seen, I, I am a couple of those 3 million views. <laughs> <laughs> it's like really popular in Brazil. Um, I, I'm not really you know, sure why. You know, Acaville is actually pretty popular in Brazil as well. So maybe there's a trend oh, there. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I, that was the one I didn't expect to see on there, but it's pretty cool. Yeah, it, it's like most of our views, I think. I think it's over a million. Um, <laughs> it's just from Brazil. So shout out to Brazil. Hey. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and um, when they were there, they kind of, they realized how important music education was because they talked to the administration of the school and they kind of said that a lot of the kids had not been going to school um, because really because they were just in such poverty that they didn't really get they weren't eating and they, they weren't getting proper nutrition and they just didn't have the energy to go to school. And so they kind of try to change the curriculum to base it more around music, which is very mm-hmm. popular there just to try and get them to go to school more. Yeah. And they really responded to that. And um, when they went there, the school had just, I think, I don't know if it was a year before, but, or, but in the past, in the recent past, they had gone to a national choir competition and come in first place. Then what happened while you were there? Tell us a little bit more about what happened while you were in Kenya or when the group was in Kenya. So pretty much for around two weeks, what we did with that one music school, it was called Mbaka Romo Primary School. Um, we went in the first day and the group at that time kind of familiarized themselves with the students because, you know, the students there, they don't really see people pulling up in vans with bright yellow blazers and um, <laughs> you guys wore talk. they wore the blazers while they were there that must Partially, have been yes <laughs> that must have been really warm <laughs> it was it was interesting and it was really cool watching the documentary because we had these big smiles on our faces and the director at the time gave this really warm welcome to all the students and throughout the course of the two weeks at first the yellow jackets sang some of our songs to the choir Mm -hmm. and then it flip-flopped and we sat and the choir performed a lot of their repertoire to us and ever since that moment when we were watching the film there was this gate that kind of opened like there was this bridge that connected and we were able to start having conversations with these people that have completely different backgrounds from Mm us and that was the first time that we noticed how important music can be in breaking barriers and having impact on people's lives that we have nothing in common with mm-hmm. and some of the interviews that the children did in the documentary were talking about how um, they don't have either their parents because they passed away and they're living with their aunt or how they don't get um, all three meals a day but they know for a fact that they can go to school and they can get an education and they can do what they love doing which is singing mm-hmm. and um when Scott brought up the school winning a national competition, um, the year that we went and visited them, they were in training for that. And after the group left, they advanced to the next round, but they couldn't necessarily afford getting to that national round. So we actually started a fundraiser for them to help them. And then mm-hmm. uh, fortunately, we were able to get them to the national round where they were able to win first place. And 
after really cool. after that moment, that's when we really wanted to make a focus on music education. So that's mm -hmm. when we came back to the States or the group at the time came back to the States and they started music programs in the different schools in the Rochester community. Um, and that's what James runs currently. We've held it up every year up until now. And one of the schools that we do it with, um, the students that started when they're in around middle school just went in the college and are just going in their freshman year. Mm -hmm. And it's really, it's amazing to see how full circle the yeah. impact that the Yellow Jackets made back then had. Um, I know James can definitely talk about that a little bit, but yeah, I'd love to hear and, about that. Yeah. 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 I can definitely talk about that now. Um, so uh, like Phil said, the program is called The Buzz, uh, and it's mm -hmm. run out of a school called School 58, the World of Inquiry School in downtown Rochester. Uh, and like Phil said, the first year that they did it, uh, those kids are now off to college, a lot of them. And so uh, probably the, one of the most notable kids is uh, a young man named Jarrell. And when the program started, uh, they kind of described Jarrell as a very quiet kid. He was very much in his own in his own world, hadn't really broken out of his shell. Um, but he had an amazing voice and so ended up getting a solo and performed it at the concert that they held. Um, and at that concert was really the first time that anyone had ever seen Jarrell uh, break out of his shell. And he mm -hmm. he just had an amazing time on stage and absolutely killed it. Um, and so he, he's been one of the, the main students in this program ever since then. And he actually is now in his freshman year at RIT. Mm -hmm. um, and his group, uh, 8 Beat Measure, they just competed in the ICCAs. Um, and Jarrell had a solo and won the award for best soloist. So it was, That's it really was just cool. really, really incredible to watch him go from, you know, the quiet kid, uh, to the star of the show. Yeah. He sounds amazing too. Yeah. And I'll he's only a freshman. Yeah. I'll say, I'm pretty sure the yellow jacket screamed louder for him than his own group did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think that, um, one of the best parts about being in the yellow jackets is actually, doing workshops with elementary school kids and mostly just because they're young and they're sort of getting introduced to music and seeing what they like in, in general i just think acapella is like really cool like that's a really i'd hope you would it'd simple, be a little yeah. strange <laughs> ideally, ideally i would be here for so long but like <laughs> see seeing what they think about acapella and this like the style of like having fun like dancing around and doing it is really cool and i think that while even schools that do have music programs have like they have like choirs and stuff. I think it's something that's really unique. And I think it's really cool that we will have the opportunity to share that with other people. Absolutely. It sounds like you guys have started a real, I mean, you've created a cycle here. It seems you've started something and now other groups, uh, eight beat measure, whoever they are reaping the benefits of it because of a program that your group started. And I have to say it is very rarely do you find an acapella group with such a commitment to philanthropy efforts and not just philanthropy efforts like, okay, we volunteered at, you know, this nonprofit for the weekend or something like that. But one that is specifically focused on music education, because I think as a graduate music education student, I can definitely see the, uh, how do I want to say it, like a bit of a divide sometimes between the more classic music education community and acapella, you know, popular music versus classical, et cetera, et cetera. And it seems like you guys have really bridged that gap here and that you're promoting, you're not just going around saying, 
hey, acapella is so cool or the yellow jackets are so cool, which is not unusual for groups and not necessarily an inherently bad thing. But the fact that you're going out to schools and promoting music, music education, uh, I've never seen a group do that before. It sounds something more like you might expect from a middle school outreach program uh, from yeah. an American Choral Directors Association chapter or music education chapter. So, I mean, that was just a great story hearing all of that. I feel like I need to plot it all out. Like 2011 <laughs> did this, Gerald graduated <laughs> here, won award here, um, which I think speaks to the legacy that you guys have created. So I want to ask, uh, before we get more into the kind of the nitty gritty of everything that happened, what was it like joining a group with such a strong defined culture in these fields that people don't necessarily associate with acapella? Yeah, so I think, um, well, the first thing I just want to add to what Kavya said earlier is yeah. that what makes acapella so different in terms of other kinds of music education is that especially in areas um, like lower income or places where they don't have the funding for mm-hmm. these music programs, acapella is so much cheaper. It is um, very I mean, like, cheap. You, you don't have to buy instruments. You really just you you just buy some water um, and <laughs> water, and just use, yeah, <laughs> and and just just use your own voice. And I think um, I mean again, that's part of the reason that in these really poor areas that they're able to to do that more than they are playing like playing instruments or playing in a band. Mm-hmm. But I think for me, so I'm a senior now. So I started in the group three years ago. I remember my one of my first weeks here. Um, I. I think we did a, a workshop at a school in Rochester, um, and I kind of had this weird imposter feeling in that we were teaching kids one of our songs, which is like our the song we sing everywhere. It's a song we started singing in uh, Kenya called it's, – it's a mix of Waving Flag by mm-hmm. Kanon and Waka Waka by Shakira. Yep. And it's that, what we yeah. sing at – Every show, and we always end our shows that way. We always end our workshops by teaching the kids this song. And I didn't really know the music. Um, and so it was really, it was really strange because I had just gotten into the group and I didn't know the music. And I'm teaching these kids a song that I don't know. But you know what? That I mean, that, that the workshop served as a workshop for me almost too. Mm-hmm. But um, even before that, I remember when I had been auditioning for the group or even when I had heard about the University of Rochester, I wanted to go to a school that had a good acapella group. Yep. Um, I, I did acapella in high school. And I remember watching the Yellow Jackets on um, the sing-off uh, with my own acapella group. I remember holding hands with, with, with people <laughs> like in the finals, being like, pentatonics, <laughs> pentatonics. Um and Pentatonics won, surprise. Um, but <laughs> yeah, they're still they're still doing stuff, right? Yeah, but, but yeah, uh, what Grammy? And so just to kind of see this group that I had like three years earlier watched on TV, and then being told like you're one of them now, mm-hmm. I, I I think that was that was a lot a lot for me to handle at first. But then to very soon after that say your your responsibility as a Yellow Jacket is not only to just like sing, but it's also to kind of teach mm-hmm. other people about singing and um, and really just spread that as far as you can. Yeah, you're, in, you're trying to engender uh, a culture in your area, which I think is so great. The most I have seen, uh, I mean, this, this kind of reminds me of my like elementary school when uh, the show choir slash acapella group would come 
tour from the high school would come tour the elementary schools. And I think that's something a lot of people have an experience with. It's a great recruiting tool. It's a great way for uh, groups to perform. But, um, you know, we never had them teach us a song, which I just and I don't I'm not saying they're that's a bad thing that they didn't do that. But I think this idea had simply never occurred to them. And I'm, right. I'm really curious if any of you can answer this. When did you realize that you wanted the music, like music education to be a big part of the culture of your group? Was it right after the group got back from Kenya? Had it been kicking around for a bit? Had you done other stuff before then? How did that kind of all come about? Because it can be so easy for groups and I'm guilty of this uh, acapella groups to just kind of want to fall into the rock star mentality. We want to sing songs and we want to sing on campus and look cool. And that's great. And that's not a bad thing, but you guys have clearly taken it a step further. And I'm just wondering how that started exactly. Yeah. I've had the opportunity of talking to a lot of the members that went on the previous Kenya trip. We have Mm -hmm. a lot of like alumni reunions and they come back pretty frequently. And the one thing that all of them have told me about um, their experience in Kenya is at the time they were seeing a lot of acapella groups that were really phenomenal performers and always putting their best foot out front. But what they wanted to do, what that group wanted was they had so much opportunity and they wanted to give that opportunity to people that wouldn't have it before. Mm -hmm. They wanted to have an impact on uh, lives that might not be as fortunate or just might not be as educated on some things. Mm -hmm. And it was just, it it sounds kind of cliche, but they kind of saw it as their responsibility to make the world around them a better place. Mm-hmm. One of the things that we always ask people in the group is what legacy do you want to leave behind for the future members of the group? And that really started with them. You know, mm-hmm. College Acapella before the Yellow Jackets um, wasn't really, it wasn't blown up as much. You know, there wasn't as many groups that were doing projects of this scale. Mm-hmm. And like, that's when the sing off, it was like their third season when the Yellow Jackets were on. So yep. it was a pretty new concept. And the Yellow Jackets at the time didn't want to be just a group that held a high caliber to performing and just made a bunch of albums. We wanted to affect people's lives. And mm-hmm. The really cool thing, going back to your question of, you know, what do members that join the group now think of that? It's really, it's it's kind of fascinating to watch, especially since all of us, since we're older, have watched many rounds of auditions for Mm -hmm. our group, is the people that audition for this group, we have, no matter what type of personality you have when you join the group, the one common ground that every member has is that we want to take what we have and we want to do better and we want to leave behind something for other people to grow with us with. And I think that's really special. I agree. Uh, I think it's, I think it's something that, um, especially after watching the documentary, there's a lot of things that, um, we and like other acapella groups and just music programs in general take for granted. And it's really special to me that, Um, we have a group of 14 guys that are all sorts of different majors and from all sorts of different countries and backgrounds, Mm -hmm. but we all have this understanding that 
we we know that we are very fortunate. We want to do a lot with the opportunities that we have. Mm-hmm. I'm also going to add on to that. I think that um, I speak for the entire group, or at least the entire current group, in saying that the reason that we are in the Yellow Jackets today is because we've been exposed to really amazing music yeah. education in our own school system. So um, at least uh, me and James and Cubby uh, all grew up outside of Boston. Actually, James and Cubby uh, live in the same town, and I went to high school together. Very cool. And uh, we really were just lucky enough to... I I, I was in a school where I I had an acapella group, um, and I I was the music director my senior year, whereas I know people at my college who have said, like, oh, you had an acapella group in high Mm -hmm. school? Like, that was never even kind of a thing. Yeah, my group never had one. Yeah. And we... Or my high school. And we... um, and we had like four or five choirs in the group because we had the the funding for that. Yeah. And that's just becoming increasingly uncommon. Yeah. I think that's a really good point you're making about uh, the fact that you guys had a lot of privilege, not just in terms of socioeconomics or like that you were in a certain schools, but just like in the sense of exposure in that you were in a place where groups could circle through and could come perform and then inspire people. There are kids. I remember I worked with um, a kid when I was a paraeducator who saw the new trailer for Pitch Perfect and he didn't understand that acapella was a real thing. He thought that's just something you see on TV. (laughs) Um, And he's a really bright kid and he's like, wait, what do you mean? Like, you can't actually do that. And I was like, yeah, that's what happens. (laughs) And I think it's great that you guys recognize like, hey, we have it pretty good and that we have access to all these things. We were able to see acapella groups in that you recognized how beneficial that was for you in realizing how much more that could do for the community. One of the things that we talk about on this show a lot is the culture of acapella, one that has really been defined by the last like 10 years, especially with Pitch Perfect, Sing Off, um, but now with uh, large organizations like Casa, Acaville, and it sounds like what you guys are doing, the Yellow Jackets are doing, are taking your role as an acapella group and expanding what it means to be in an acapella group. You can do more than just look cool and sing to girls. Like, hey, I joined acapella because <laughs> I, I wanted to do that. And that's cool. And there's again, that's not a bad thing, but it's when you decide you want to do something more that I think those are the groups that are going to really define this culture and expand it beyond just a way to sing cool songs and make it and develop it into a way to inspire. Because that's, I think that's what we want to do. We want the culture of acapella to keep growing, to keep expanding. And then all these things you're putting into it, whether you go into Kenya, whether you are singing for uh, groups in the Rochester area or singing for elementary schools, uh, you're engendering that love in a community. And then it feeds back into the acapella community. And you're just left with, hey, a really freaking cool thing, which is a world that is understands music and appreciates it. So exactly. on that note, we're going to take a quick break here, guys. As always, we're going to listen to a tune chosen by our guests, and it'd be a little weird if they chose a group besides the Yellow Jackets, let's let's be honest. <laughs> so we're going to listen to Wave and Flag covered by the Yellow Jackets here, uh, and then we're going to hand it over to Michael Wingate for Beatbox Corner, and then we're going to be right back here on Tacapella. You're listening to community-supported Acaville Radio, streaming acapella around the clock at acaville.org. Acaville, the only place where drums are replaced by boots and cats.
Wingate here with Beatbox Corner on Talkapella this week. I uh, hope that everyone here had a wonderful holiday season. And with that, let's get into my segment. So today is not really going to be much of a tutorial. It's going to be more of a discussion, kind of a soapboxy type thing for me, I guess. I just wanted to bring up this topic that resonates with me. So I don't know if you've heard before on my Talkapella session with John, but I did make a distinction that there is a difference between vocal percussion and beatboxing. Vocal percussion being a uh, real world instruments that you would find on a drum set and other percussive instruments like a cowbell or a tambourine and beatboxing is much more electric it includes electronic sounds edm sounds uh, those types of noises and uh, i just want to talk about this attitude that i've heard at festivals and other events that beatboxing is solely a uh, a flashy solo art and vocal percussion is much more for uh, the acapella realm basically kind of shoehorning beatboxing in its own little corner but i just wanted to kind of like 
not really debunk myths because I don't really think there's anything to debunk, but just kind of like have a conversation about it essentially. So this, uh, this attitude that oh, beatboxing is this flashy solo art and they do all this nonsense that, you know, does, isn't really tailored for acapella. Well, that comes from beatbox battles. If any of you are not familiar with beatbox battles, you can go ahead on YouTube and look up Swiss beatbox, S-W-I-S-S beatbox. And you can look at some of like like the world championships or the American championships, stuff like that. And you see examples of beatbox battles. The whole idea that beatboxing is the solo flashy art is kind of because solo beatboxers have to be flashy because one person doing a beatbox routine is responsible for the beat, the groove, the melody, uh, the bass, and any kind of harmony that's thrown in there. So, like, yeah, like, they're doing a bunch of sounds, you know, to create this routine. And, yeah, like, it looks flashy, but it kind of has to be by nature. But we can take these aspects of solo beatboxing and these sounds and actually implement them into... Uh, contemporary acapella. I'll just give you some examples. So there are like sounds like pitched lip buzzes. That is me buzzing my lips together to create a tone as well as humming the same pitch or you can buzz a pitch and then hum a different pitch and harmonize it. Um, there are also uh, these things called lip rolls that create a very bassy tone. There's also throat bass. You know, there's also other sounds like tongue bass. Like there are certain sounds that come from the beatbox realm of things that you can take and blend with your vocal group and create something really exciting. Now we can obviously look at a group like Pentatonix. We all know who they are, uh, a group that took their sound palette and created something ridiculously amazing that exploded and really pushed acapella in a new direction. You can also look at a collegiate group like Faux Pas, Lucas as their beatboxer and the vocal techniques that he uses with his beatboxing in order to create something new. And you can also look at two new budding professional groups, Blacklight out of Boston and Ember out of Baltimore. They're both trying to implement advanced beatboxing techniques uh, to create a brand new acapella sound and really push that envelope that no one really has touched uh, on before. Both of these groups are really trying to push back against that attitude that beatboxing is, you know, more of the solo thing and uh, vocal percussion is the more tailored to acapella style. So yeah, that was just kind of me rambling about something that I'm passionate about. So uh, I really hope you enjoyed this, and uh, it didn't waste your time. So uh, thank you very much. This is Michael Wingate on Beatbox Corner for Talkapella, and I will see you all next week. You're listening to community-supported Acaville Radio, streaming acapella around the clock at acaville.org. Acaville, giving listeners worldwide something to sing about. Welcome back to Tacapella. Yes. Oh, I'm really glad you guys did that. I think that tops all of our welcome backs we've had. Sorry to previous guests, but uh, that's that was pretty dang great. And I think you set a high bar going forward. So everyone, I... (laughs) 
<laughs> if you are just joining us, uh, this is obviously Talkapella on Acaville Radio. I'm your host, John Lampus, and I have had the pleasure today of talking with four members from the University of Rochester Yellow Jackets. And we've been talking a lot about the group's 2011 trip to Kenya, their United We Sing album, and their efforts in the Rochester area to promote music education. And the reason, the kind of impetus for them coming on the show now is that the group is returning to Kenya. Uh, guys, can you just tell us a little bit about that? Because I am uh, I think a lot of us are really inspired by what you guys did in 2011 and hearing that story. I'd love to hear about how this is going to continue. So please take it away. Yeah, absolutely. So um, our plan as of right now is to travel for about two weeks and we'll be going at the end of our school year, which is around uh, May 21st and we'll mm-hmm. be coming back June 3rd. And basically our plan is to travel to... Um, a bunch of different cities like Nairobi, Buter, Kisumu, and Maseno. And mm-hmm. when we're there, we're trying to work with a lot of different orphanages, host some performances in um, some venues around, and then also just all around like travel. Absolutely. So the group went back in 2011, and clearly you're talking about a documentary. You're talking about how that inspired the group. What is your what's your hope? You have your dates. You have you know what you're doing. When you're done with this at the beginning of June. What do you want to walk away from or what is going to make a successful trip for you guys? Well, so when we went the last time, uh, the group spent pretty much the entire time with the one city uh, or the one school, Bakaromo, mm-hmm. in Maseno. Uh, and so what we really want to do this time is expand upon that and bring the same experiences we had with that one primary school to as many people as we can. Um, so we're going to be visiting several different uh primary schools as well as orphanages in the area mm-hmm. and really i think as long as we see that we're having fun and that the kids there are having fun i think that'll make it a successful trip for us just to add to that i also think that last time they were there they learned so much um just about like the importance of music education and just mm-hmm. about like singing in general from this one school and mm-hmm. i think that we're trying to kind of expand our reach so we can just learn from the most people Uh, and the most communities, and then bring that knowledge back to our community. Absolutely. You're getting one experience, you're bringing it to another experience you're already facilitating. I think that that makes a lot of sense. So I'm wondering why now? The group went seven years ago, and some people just say, hey, that's, that's the thing the group did, and that was great. Why now in 2018 have you decided to go back? Yeah, so the current members of the group, we realize okay from the start of the time that we're in the group we have up to four years to take the legacy that we've had before and expand on it and make Mm -hmm. it our own and have an impact and then have things for the future members to follow up on and we really love the message that the last group had and we thought it was just super important to really work hard and to expand on the impact of music education and that's Mm -hmm. the main reason why we're doing this now it's just the people in the group now we all sat down and we made a decision last april that this is what we wanted to do and this is the impact that we wanted to have while we were in the group yeah and just to expand on that a little bit um ever since we went in 2011 um we several times every year we get messages from the people there saying when are you coming back? Yeah. The kids really want you to come back. When are you coming back? Uh, so we figured, let's do it. Yeah, I think, 
I think that's really great because I think there is a really core, one of the core ideals and ideas present in acapella is like, guys, let's just do this. Like, how did acapella groups get started? Some guy was like, hey, let's, I mean, guy, girl, whatever. It was just like, let's get some people together and let's make some music. And this idea, because there is so little limitations on just getting people together to sing, uh, that you can just kind of go and do it and you kind of create the journey, musical journey, whatever that you want. Uh, so the fact that you guys just sat down, we're like, yeah, let's do this. This is what's right for us right now. Uh, I think has a lot of analogs with the acapella community, which is so driven by just individuals deciding, waking up one day, like I want to start a group or I want to do this song or I want to start singing. Uh, so I think that's really inspiring, especially because it's not exactly, and I, I, sure, I know I don't need to tell you guys this, it's probably not super easy to just get 14 guys <laughs> and go to Kenya for two weeks. Um, what's been the process with like getting everything going for that? I'm sure you guys, fund, like fundraising, I'm sure is through the roof and that is a huge part of your focus, but how? what are the logistics? How do you get there? I'm assuming a plane, um, but how... <laughs> That's a good that a swimming. I'm sorry. The power of music. <laughs> how, how, how are you doing this? Like, how are you going to get there? What's the process you're going through? So um, it's it's been quite the process. It's It actually started about at the beginning of last year when our mm-hmm. music director, he started talking to some people um, about like this even being possible. And then as soon as that started, really like set off a chain. And over the summer, we've been reaching out to a ton of people seeing whether it's possible, um, seeing like what are the logistics, what's the cost of traveling. And then we got to the school year and we opened a fundraiser. It actually didn't work out. And then um, I've been so there we, making again, fundraisers yeah. that don't work out. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's a rite of passage. It was actually um, just to clarify, it was because um, of the school. Like there were just some um, rules that we had to like figure out with yep. the school and like safety and concerns like that. Yep, so that stuff is we definitely, definitely uh, fought an uphill battle getting to where we are now. And then yeah. thank God at the beginning of this year, um, we were all set. And then we released our fundraiser and here we are. Just to expand upon that a little bit, um, one of our, our main, the main time consuming part of this process has been making sure we're meeting all the requirements set by the school. So when they went last time in 2011, the the regulations for traveling abroad were must, much less stringent than they, they didn't are exist. now. They basically didn't exist. Uh, so there have been yeah. a lot of hoops we've had to jump through, um, a whole lot of people we've had to get in contact with. And so it's it's just been a long process. I'm sure you guys have learned a lot through that. I mean, I feel like I learned oh, yeah. a lot just running my own acapella group, just like yes. making people show up on time and managing stuff. But you guys are literally planning an international journey. Like I'm, I'm sure this has been a pretty rewarding experience, just getting ready for the group. Like you're learning, I'm sure how to work together, how to like follow a leader, how to just like operate as kind of a machine. Would you say that's true? Absolutely. Yeah. I think the most important lesson that I've learned throughout this whole process, talking to the people who went on the trip in 2011 is that you really like, in a group and for yourself, you really set your own limits and mm-hmm. we have a big vision, but I think that we've been working really hard towards it and it definitely seems possible to us at this point. And it, sh- it started off as a really small idea that we had last year. So I think it's really cool seeing um, the fruit of all of our labor and that any group really, if they have ambition and like they want to work hard towards something, they can achieve something. Absolutely. So what I'm super curious about, and this is something that comes up in my groups and other groups I've talked to, when you're getting ready for like these big commitments, whether it's a big show, we, I was talking about this recently about getting ready for ICCAs, how do you manage to like, 
as silly as it sounds, like still be a group while you're planning this giant international journey and managing the responsibilities. Because I, I can't imagine it's like, okay, our rehearsals now are all about planning for this trip. You have two major responsibilities now, being a group in the University of Rochester and maintaining musical excellence, doing your thing in the um, schools around, and now planning this international journey. How do you juggle all of that? And how do you still keep uh, your reputation for musical excellence? Yeah, well, the most important thing that our group has learned from taking on all these projects is it will not get done if not everybody is on the same page. Mm -hmm. So before we embarked on any of these kind of projects that we're doing, whether it's an album or a tour or our campaign, we all sit down and we talk about our feelings about what we want to do. And then once we have kind of a structure to a plan, we all sit down and we talk about it and we vote on it. And if it's not something that everybody in the group is for, it's not something that we know will happen. So all the things that we're doing in our group, we've talked about a lot prior mm -hmm. and we make sure that we build in the time in order to do that because it's really important for any sort of group in order to succeed in a goal for us to all be on the same page. Absolutely. I think, I mean, I, I've seen issues where people, they all vote on the same song and then someone changes their mind and that throws them into a ruckus. <laughs> so I, I think it's really cool the efficiency at with which you guys are proceeding with this whole thing, because that's, I mean, that's a logistical nightmare. Um, but some people might see it as you're, you're making sure the opportunity, which is again, bringing music to these children and inspiring people and championing music education. That's worth the logistics, the time. Uh, and that's something that I hope more acapella groups will see, um, whether they're listening to this episode, whether they're watching your YouTube videos, uh, if this documentary of yours, um, is released publicly that they'll see and they'll recognize, huh, Acapella groups don't just have to be this one thing. We can redefine what an right. acapella group can be in a community. And what happens when we take that and put it in a different community and expose people to that? Uh, I mean, I'm hoping that what you guys are doing um, for the, the group doing for the second time is going to inspire other people to do something totally different, but just as cool. Um, whether that's philanthropy, whether that's, you know, something I haven't even thought of that no one has thought of that an acapella group can do. Because what you guys are doing is, um, like I said, redefining what an acapella group is known for and setting your own potential and following your own potential to basically do whatever you want and do whatever you think is really, really cool. So I think that's pretty dang cool, frankly. And I hope that more people <laughs> are inspired by that. And what I want to know is how can we as an acapella community support you guys as you're undertaking this? Is your fundraiser still going? Uh, how how can we ensure as a community, how can we support you guys? Yeah, so um, our fundraiser is going from now until March 18th. Um, and we are trying to raise $30,000 for the trip. Mm -hmm. um, as of this recording, uh, we are at around 6,000. We're a mm -hmm. week in. Um, so we have five weeks to go. And we're really hopeful and we're really working hard on this. But Honestly, any kind of support that anyone can give us, whether that be a monetary donation or even just sharing it with your with your network and your mm -hmm. friends, um, just trying to spread the word or, you know what, just trying to, to spread the word about our mission and, and about the importance of music education. Yeah. So uh, are you guys using GoFundMe or you, do you just have like one big bucket outside of your dorm rooms? <laughs> like how, how's, how's this working? 
Uh, 14 buckets. Um, we, <laughs> we, um, we have a fundraiser um, through this program called Thunderbolt, um, which has partnered with the University of Rochester to, uh, to raise funds for, for different service projects. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you can find that fundraiser on our Facebook page. Uh, or on our website, which is www.jackets.org. <laughs> yeah, through three W's. Uh, yeah, jackets.org. And no one's really sure how we how we lock down that domain name. But, um, it, but it's we, just we, jackets <laughs> or it's yellow jackets? Jackets. Just jackets. It's just jackets.com? Yep. Dot org. Dot org. I think we got to um, devote a whole episode to this. Or it's just, I want to talk about how no one was just like, yeah, like even just on a whim, yeah, I'm going to take jackets as a domain name. Um, <laughs> that's really great. I will definitely be sure to share that link and donate to it. And uh, I'll definitely include it in uh, when I tweet out uh, for this episode, which you guys should be able to see. I'm encouraging everyone here who is listening to this to recognize that uh, the Yellow Jackets here are doing something really special. If you haven't heard me going on and on about how special it is <laughs> for the past 40 minutes. Thank you. <laughs> um, take some time and really consider donating to this because this is not just, you're not just putting money towards a group to go sing for kids who want to hear music. You're putting money towards uh, changing some kids' lives, but also towards changing what the acapella community and acapella culture can be. And it's something that as we are looking at um, you know, the last Pitch Perfect movie came out. Pentatonics has been going for a while, but we're at a point as an acapella community where we need to be sustained more than just by big, cool things like flashy, like the sing-off, Pentatonics, all that stuff. And we need to stuff like this that reaches out, that engenders um, a culture of appreciating music. Those are the things that are going to make this not just the acapella boom, but acapella culture, what it just is, not what it could be or what we hope it will be so everyone uh check that out you said what was the site you said uh thunderbolt like thunderbolt but with an f both an f um yeah so we, we can send you that link too yes but, please um, do. It, it, it's very easily available um on our the home page of our website which again is jackets.org um it's also um, very easily accessible on our facebook page which is university of rochester yellow jackets Absolutely. Great. So everyone, if you're listening to this, this is John Lampus officially telling you to go donate to this because uh, it's got to be pretty <laughs> freaking cool. We're going to take one more quick break here. We're going to hand it over to Amanda Tran for her special episode of Notable Coverage. Then we're going to be right back here. You're going to hear more about how you can uh, contact the Yellow Jackets, how you can donate and what you can do to support them or just see what they're all about and their musical journeys. And we're going to be right back. <laughs> You're listening to community-supported Acaville Radio, streaming acapella around the clock at acaville.org. Acaville, where every instrument is portable. Hey everyone, and welcome back to Notable Coverage, only here on Tacapella. I'm your host, Amanda Tran, and every week I basically spill the tea on the most covered songs in the acapella world. So for episode eight, instead of doing one particular song, we're going to listen to and talk about Ariana Grande within the acapella world. Now, Ariana Grande has one of the most distinct voices in current pop music with her overly breathy baby tone, loose enunciation, her R&B vocal stylings, and hints of old school Mariah and her undeniable riffing. Whether or not you're a fan of her, you cannot deny her chops. 
And with that in mind, acapella groups cannot stop covering Ari. Um, in 2017, the ICCA season, that was definitely the year of Greedy by Ari, and I was so excited to hear this bop on stage. And a few years before that, it was Honeymoon Avenue. Even one of the groups that I had judged in ICCA this season at the quarterfinals had two out of three songs in their set be Ariana Grande songs. It's crazy. Every competition stage, you can almost bet there's going to be an Ariana Grande song. Her pop hooks are so catchy, and they provide so many choreography opportunities. So why not, right? You're thinking, why not do these awesome songs? I think the biggest flaw in groups that try to do Ari is that they unsuccessfully try to emulate Ariana Grande's singing style when they should really be concentrating on their own group sound and the ability and style of their soloist. Just because a song is popular does not mean that your best soloist will sound good on it. Two words to always live by, song choice. Now, this may or may not be a time for a little self-promo, um, but I'm going to go ahead and do it anyways. Uh, my pop quintet, C-Note, that's S-E-A, note, like Seattle, Washington. We featured um, Focus by Ariana Grande on our 2017 LP, Transitions. Um, I really love this arrangement. It was done by Michael and Isaiah in our group, and we put a little club spin on the arrangement, and there are also some really cool jazz elements sprinkled throughout, so... Take a listen. Let me know what you think. Focus, focus on me. Focus on me. Focus. Focus on me. Focus on me. Focus. Focus. Focus on me. Focus on me. Focus. Focus on me. I can tell you're curious. It's written on your lips. Ain't no need to hold it back. Go ahead and take it. Now this next Ariana Grande song is Honeymoon Avenue. If you do a quick YouTube search, you can see that there are so many versions of this song. Um, however, this version stands out. It's by the one and only Nor'easters. It's featured on their 2016 LP Rise and features Sam Crane on the solo and Girlfriend absolutely kills it. Um, if you hear the studio version or if you look up any live version, she has perfect vocal inflections, puts her own soulful spin on it, and really does the song justice. Grande in the acapella world. Now, if there are any other songs that I missed or you think are really awesome and unique and super cool arrangement wise, definitely let me know at Amanda Tran Rocks. That's Amanda Tran R O C K S on pretty much all social medias. I love to hear your thoughts and I can't wait to chat again next week on Notable Coverage. Bye, guys. Going the wrong way home. 
Here at Acaville, we're just a small team trying to spread the word about amazing acapella. If we do it right, we can change the world. Want to be a part of it all? We need volunteers. You can help out from anywhere in the world. All you need is a bit of time and a passion for acapella. We need help in several different areas, so if you're interested, we can probably work together to find a good fit. Send us a note to onair at acaville.com. Thanks. And welcome back to Tacapella. This is your host, John Lampus, on Acaville Radio's weekly talk show. I have had the distinct privilege today of speaking with four members of the Yellow Jackets. Guys, can you go around, say who you are one more time, uh, just as we wrap up this episode and talk about how people can get a hold of you guys. So who have I been talking to this whole time? I know your names, but let's see if the listeners remember them. <laughs> well, my name is Cubby, and I'm the business manager. Mm-hmm. My name is James. Uh, my name is Scott. I'm the communications director. And my name is Philip. I am the music director. And yeah. if you want to look us up on any sort of platform, we are at UR Yellow Jackets on Twitter, on Facebook, and on Instagram. Same at. And our link to our campaign and our campaign video are on all three platforms. And you can also check us out on our YouTube channel, which is University of Rochester Yellow Jackets. Come take a look. Absolutely, guys. Please go check this out. This is really important stuff. I've been monologuing about it for a while, but I think you all get the point now. Please, listeners, check this out. And everyone, if you want to get a hold of me, again, I am always at John Lampus, J-O-H-N-L-A-M-P-U-S on Twitter or Instagram. But more importantly, check out Acaville Radio. Uh, I don't think I need to spell that for you guys. We are on Twitter, Instagram. We are on everything. Uh, Yellow Jackets, Scott, Philip, Cubby, James, thank you guys so much again for coming on this very special episode of Tacapella. It was a pleasure to have you. You're well-spoken. You know what you're talking about. And you guys have a goal, and I think it's a goal that the acapella community deserves to hear about and uh, should support you for. So thank you very much again for coming on the show. Thanks so much for having us. Absolutely. We're going to wrap up this episode by handing it over to Greg Starr for Greg's Take, where he answers your listener questions. Yellow Jackets, this was a great episode. Thanks again for coming on. And for everything acapella, please stay tuned. You're listening to community-supported Acaville Radio, streaming acapella around the clock at acaville.org. Acaville, giving listeners worldwide something to sing about. And welcome back to Tacapella. This is Greg's Take, the segment in which I answer your listener questions. So this week, we are only going to tackle one question because it's that's a good one, but it's a bit of a doozy because there's a lot to it. So let's go ahead and get started. What's the process you go through when composing your own song versus arranging an existing song? So there are definitely some pretty clear differences here. I'd start by saying that a lot of people would describe arranging as at least partially or half composing. And there's definitely a good amount of truth to that. But I would say the biggest difference and the most obvious difference is when it comes to arranging, a lot of the work that has to go into composition is already done. You often don't have to write words or a melody And depending on how true to the original you want to stay, you might not even have to write that much in the way of chords or harmony. A lot of that work might already be done. So I would say in terms of the process for arranging, the first question that you ask is how true to the original do you want to stay? Or what direction do you want to take the song in? Because it could be the case that you want want to basically 
keep the song the same for the most part, with the exception of the voicing, perhaps, or maybe if there are a lot of instruments in the song, you want to put them into vocals. So the first choice you make is, do you want it to be closer to a transcription of the original, or do you want to take it in a totally different direction and arrange, say, say arrange a pop song in a more jazz-type style, or make it sound more classical even? Or do you want to take a song, like an older pop song, or maybe even a classical song, and make it sound more poppy? Do you want to significantly change the style and the mood of the piece? Do you want to change the tempo a lot? So a lot of the questions that I ask myself when arranging a song is, basically a lot of the questions involve how much do I want to change? And usually it's not absolutely everything, usually keeps some things the same, so often a lot of the work is done. So I start with the matter of what is different. How do I translate this into an acapella piece? And then I get into some of the specifics like how do I voice chords and do I want to change the song from verse to verse? For example, in a lot of pop songs, verse one and verse two are practically interchangeable with the exception of the words, but you don't always want that to be the case in an acapella piece. So when it comes to composition, I would say that you start with what's kind of already done in an arrangement, and that's, you know, melody, the words, what do you want the song to be about? What is the sort of intent of the piece? At least that's sort of my process for composition. I, I kind of pick a topic, I kind of pick a style, I pick, you know, maybe a melody that I've had in my head, or chord progression. I start with some of the things that are already done when doing an arrangement. Also in terms of the process of composition, there's quite a bit more freedom because I can I can take it in a completely different direction. I can totally change a part of the song that I don't like and I might not feel like I'm free to do that with an arrangement. With a composition and you know it's all original work. So I can get half through the song and say actually I don't like this word or I don't like this chord. Let me change that. It can be more of, you know, a living, breathing piece, whereas an arrangement is a version of a piece that's already been written. So if you want to say at least so much for the original, you don't have nearly as much leeway in terms of what you can change, whereas a composition really can change significantly as, as you write it. And the last thing that I would add is that, whereas figuring out how to voice chords, figuring out, you know, which part of a song goes into which particular part in an acapella arrangement, for example, you know, do you want the trumpet part to be in the soprano or in the tenor? You don't have to do quite as much work of that kind when composing because, you know, if you're composing a specifically acapella piece, you can make those decisions as you compose the piece. So there's not as much translation in effect because it's already acapella. It's not you're not changing a song with instruments into an acapella piece. It's all original acapella music. Well, I could probably talk for another 20 minutes about this, but we are already at, well, past five minutes. So that will be it for this week of Greg's Take. If you have a question you would like me to address on this segment, feel free to email me at gastarr at seattleschools.org. Or you can also follow me on Twitter at Greg Stars Take, and also Acaville Radio is on Twitter as well. So until next week, take some time to listen to acapella. <laughs>